0: Fasting is the first principle of medicine. Fast and see the strength of the spirit reveal itself. This is a quote from Rumi. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Rizvi, and today is episode two of the Hippocratic Oath. I hope you really enjoyed our first episode. You know, we're new to podcasting, but we really want to make a difference in your life. Uh, I think it's really important to discuss evidence-based medicine So everyone that doesn't have a PCB could know the importance of preventative care and hopefully you can establish yourself with a primary care physician so you can achieve longevity. Uh, A bonus is we focus a lot on lifestyle modification so we'll discuss different tactics on how to optimize your health without requiring medications. Today's episode is on intermittent fasting. Uh, If you remember the last episode, we discussed screening guidelines for diabetes and the different medications used to treat it. Today, we'll be talking about lifestyle modifications to help reverse diabetes. That's right. This is a reversible condition. And When I refer to diabetes, I'm talking about type 2 insulin-resistant diabetes. This is the one that correlates with metabolic syndrome. This is the one that's secondary to a poor lifestyle so in today's episode we'll talk about number one what is fasting a simple breakdown on the concept of intermittent fasting and why we should implement this eating pattern number two hormonal responses to eating see when you consume food is metabolized differently and is utilized by different hormones in our body to help store the energy you consume number three five stages of fasting have been determined when fasting was researched We'll dive deeply and talk about the different stages of fasting. This way, you can actually figure out which fasting regimen works best for you and your daily living. And finally, the secret sauce to fasting. This is how to achieve longevity through autophagy. Autophagy is actually a pretty new concept, but you know it helps you reverse disease, helps you prevent Alzheimer's dementia, it helps you... Uh, basically recycle the poor contents the poorly functioning protein molecules in our body and utilize them in a better way so let's begin with fasting 101 so if we look back at history we can gather that meals were consumed less frequently take the Paleolithic era take historical eating patterns take you know the societies that hunted and gathered Uh meals were not as easily available, they did not have long shelf lives, and so we basically were accustomed to eating and then going through long periods of starvation before we go and consume another meal. Take that into the today's standard with the American diet recommending three to six times per day of meal consumption. This includes both meals and snacks, and over time this will put a strain on our hormones. And it gives us a problem regulating the blood sugar level. So to simply define what fasting is, it is basically a period of starvation. And then the concept is the period and the duration of starvation, it allows your body to utilize its stored form of sugar rather than eating so frequently that you're going to end up converting the stored form of sugar into fat. So the concept is that the stored form of fuel, that's the food you eat, is um, in our bloodstream and when the sugars in our bloodstream are elevated the hormone insulin is secreted from the pancreas to take this high blood sugar level and then cause it to go into a storage form called glycogen this stored form of sugar called glycogen is uh, stored in the liver now the liver is like a cup right so over time a cup eventually gets filled up and then any excessive fluid coming into that cup it spills over So just like that cup, the liver has a limited capacity of glycogen storage and then when that is exceeded, it spills over into fat. And then that's why you look at these diabetic patients or patients that may have metabolic syndrome. They tend to have excessive triglyceride levels in association with insulin resistance. This is the same physiological pathway that I'm discussing now. So the key concept to take here is fasting simply put, is a period of eating, and then you go into a starvation period, and then you eat again. It's really simple. But the thing that makes this different than the standard diet is that the duration of time in between meals allows your body to naturally use this energy source. Today, fasting is considered a fad diet. It's getting really popular. It's actually one of the most highly Google-searched diets in the last 5 to 10 years. But it's actually a very traditional form of eating. And if you understand its concept and how it's using the body's natural stored energy, the glycogen or triglycerides, uh, then that's a really good way to help you utilize your fat and maintain your sugar levels. Uh, This way you keep the weight off, you prevent disease, you could even reverse Uh, diabetes by making your insulin receptors more sensitive so when you do consume a meal your body knows what to do with it so you know first recommendation is that i think all patients undergoing a fasting regimen especially if they're diabetic should consult with their primary care physician endocrinologist or whoever manages those diabetic medications prior to initiating a fasting protocol. Some of these medications can really cause low blood sugar levels. So if, you know, your doctor is assuming you're eating the same way you ate before, hence why you became diabetic, so they put put you on these medications. But if you decide to do a radical change to your eating pattern, then these medications may be detrimental and cause a low blood sugar level. So if you're diabetic, you know, keep a, a glucose journal, Write down your blood sugar levels as you have different fasting periods and show your doctor. Let them manage your medications just so you do this safely. Okay, so there's different concepts of fasting and different theories on which fasting regimen works best for weight loss. At minimum, historically, you know, people were eating uh, dinner and breakfast and had 12 hours in between their last and first meal. But in today's society, different regimens that have become popular are like the 16 8th method which is where you're you know you're eating for eight hours during the day and you're fasting for 16. Another interesting concept is alternate day fasting that is recommended by you know leaders in this field like Dr. Jason Fung uh, where one day you're eating you know a regular diet you're the same way you've always ate well mindfully eating and then every other day you're you're fasting. Um, This is pretty good because it keeps your body guessing it does not let it just I think that this is the normal way of eating. And finally, another way for more advanced fasting diets are the OMAD diet or the warrior diet. This is where you're consuming one large meal or you're having a very small eating window uh, during your day to consume a meal. Now, the important thing here is regardless of which fasting regimen you undergo, you need to understand that fasting is considered to be an acute stressor that means it's a short-term stress. It is a shock. It should not be the normal way you're eating because your body is very adaptive. So if every single day is a fast, and I've, I'm guilty for this because when I first got into intermittent fasting, I got, you know, I'm super hyped about it. I fasted every single day. And, oh, you know, initially you see great results and eventually you know, you hit a plateau and then your body's metabolism slows down and then you're like stuck in a rut thinking, how do I, you know, find the change? You've already cut down to one meal a day. So how do you find the change? So one thing to understand is that you should be eating, you know, mindfully choosing your foods and eating the same way you've always ate. Now, two to three times a week, implement a fasting regimen. Now, whichever one you choose, 16-8 16-8 alternate day fasting, OMAD warrior diet. It doesn't matter. Just give your body that shock it needs to utilize its glycogen stores, its triglycerides as energy. Our body has mechanisms to survive uh, during these periods of starvation. So you should be fine. Just do it under doctor's supervision. Remember, fasting is not the norm. It's the exception. Your norm needs to be Um, optimized so the foods you do consume during your daily eating ways uh, should be unprocessed avoid refined carbohydrates look at the glycemic index of the foods you're choosing and try not to graze I recommend you know three meals a day keep it simple and um, just look at like foods that your body will use as energy and really full of nutrition rather than you know eating out of a box or snacking throughout the day or or worse just fasting every day all right so that's step one what is fasting fasting is a period of starvation and when should you fast not every day it should be an exception to the norm all right so let's discuss the hormonal responses to eating Um, so when you consume a meal as discussed earlier the pancreas secretes insulin to help regulate blood sugar levels Uh, storing that energy in the form of glycogen within our liver and then over time it gets uh, spilled over a saturated liver into the form of um, triglycerides. But what about the opposite effect? How does our hormones respond to a period of starvation? So this involves many organs which which secrete the hormone used to maintain homeostasis. And the many conventional medicines used to treat diabetes involve altering the natural responses of sugar metabolism. So when you fast, your body uses these regulatory hormones to keep you balanced and utilizes a predominant stored form of energy, which is both glycogen and fat. Over time, our body has an additional form of energy called ketones, And that is uh, brought on by either the dietary choices we have or the the period of starvation we undergo. Ketones is very important as it can cross a blood-brain barrier and actually provide a more efficient form of nourishment to our brains. So this is our body's starvation mode. And this is how we survive the starvation mode. We don't need sugar to keep our brains functioning appropriately. Our body has a third form of energy called ketones which is how we can help keep ourselves from becoming foggy or not being able to um, think straight when we go through a period of starvation. So what are these counter-regulatory hormones? Um, there's four of them. Uh, one is glucagon, epinephrine, cortisol, and growth hormone. Uh, these are the main ones researched. Glucagon, it is secreted by the pancreas and works by opposing insulin. So when your blood sugar levels are low, glucagon is a counter-regulatory hormone that helps get the sugar back up. It works in a balance and is considered to be the main catabolic hormone of our body. It works by releasing the stored form of sugar, which is glycogen, remember in the liver, uh, through a process called glycogenolysis, the breakdown of glycogen. Number two, epinephrine. This one is secreted by the adrenal medulla. Uh, this is within the adrenal gland. It's a gland above the uh, the kidneys, and it basically secretes these uh, steroids um, hormones, and it helps you in the mechanism of fighting or fighting. Um, uh, you know, it's basically you, it gets you pumped up in in terms in times of an acute stress. So epinephrine helps rev up the body during an episode of hypoglycemia. So think about like if you've Ever gone for a period of not eating, and you feel shaky, tremulous, and you know this is your body's epinephrine response saying, "Hey, you know we need some energy. Let's either uh, add some food to our diet, or let's figure out how we're gonna break down the stored form of sugar to get ourselves uh, back to a euglycemic level." So epinephrine helps signal your body to release more stored energy as fuel. Number three, cortisol. This is uh, secreted by the adrenal cortex. Uh, found within the same adrenal gland. This hormone, it stimulates gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis is when we synthesize new sugar from a non-carbohydrate source. This occurs mainly in the liver after a prolonged period of fasting. And finally, growth hormone. This is secreted by the pituitary gland that's found within our brain. This helps maintain lean mass, both in muscles and bones, and it boosts the exercise performance and helps with recovery from injury and disease. Human growth hormone, cortisol, epinephrine, glucagon are the main counter-regulatory hormones found in the starvation period that helps keep your blood sugar levels high. Next, we will discuss the five stages of fasting um, introduced to us Dr. George Cahill. See, in the 1900s and 1950s, fasting was very uh, thoroughly researched by leading scientists of our time. And they discussed uh, how energy consumption differed between diabetics and non-diabetics and really looked at different forms of nourishment for our brain after a prolonged fasting period. Dr. George Cahill actually discussed that ketones were a very efficient form of energy as they crossed the blood-brain barrier, and he is the one that came up with the five stages. The first stage of fasting um, is called the feeding stage, and this occurs after you ingest a meal. This stage lasts up to four hours. The feeding stage provides us with energy in the form of glucose. So you consume a carbohydrate-rich meal, your glucose level rises in our body, and our body has its natural hormones, which is insulin. It helps regulate these blood sugar levels. As discussed earlier, insulin's job of sugar regulation is by storing glucose within our bloodstream into our Linda form of glycogen. So the liver does not have a large source supply of glycogen, and after it is thoroughly saturated, any additional glucose becomes converted into triglycerides via the fatty acid synthesis. This goes back to metabolics and the obesity epidemic. This is why patients that are typically insulin resistant and have type 2 diabetes also coincidentally have elevated triglyceride levels um, and that together. The second stage of fasting is the periprptive stage. This occurs four hours after ingesting a meal, up to 16 hours. This stage is regulated by the counter-regulatory discussed earlier. So, when blood sugars are normalized and the secretion of insulin is at a minimum, the body has other mechanisms to help keep the sugars regulated and balanced to homeostasis. The counter-regulatory hormones which as we discussed is glucagon, cortisol, adrenaline, and the human growth hormone, they play a key role in this fasting stage. This is where the 16-8 fasting becomes relevant. The third stage of fasting is called gluconeogenesis. This stage occurs 16 hours and can last up to 30 hours from your last meal in gluconeogenesis our body utilizes non-carbohydrate sources of energy to create sugar the source of energy remains but don't think that you know if you go into a prolonged fasting period that your muscles will start breaking down our body actually has a lot of protein um maybe inefficient protein sources that could be utilized form of energy and um We have additional hormones that play a role to preserve muscle during the starvation period. Remember that growth hormone helps preserve muscle mass and bone health. So fasting is well balanced to preserve strength while burning fats as energy. The proteins used in the stage come from various sources and in connective tissue. This broad usage of protein is one of the reasons why intermittent fasting is not associated with excessive skin after production. The fourth stage of fasting is called ketosis. This occurs 48 hours post-meal. It lasts up to 7 days. Ketosis occurs when all the glycogen stores within the liver are utilized and the effects of gluconeogenesis start to be diminished. It is quite interesting that during this phase of starvation, our hunger hormone ghrelin also starts to decrease. This allows for utilization of ketones as a form of energy. This process takes place in the mitochondria. Ketones are utilized by our brain more efficiently than sugar, and during this stage many people feel a sense of mental clarity. During ketosis, we are optimizing the fat-burning potential of fasting Some diets help achieve ketosis faster than the 48 hours required through a prolonged fast. It's recommended to optimize weight loss with fasting by intaking a very low-carbohydrate diet that promotes fat loss. Think of like the keto diet. The carbohydrates that you do consume should be nutrient-dense and full of antioxidants to longevity. The final stage of fasting, or the fifth stage, it occurs one week after um, or in your starvation period now this is uh, a rare time you know a lot of people are being uh, supervised by their physician when they undergo this week-long fast and i do not recommend this um, to anybody i mean i think you know we could get a lot of the benefits of fasting with shorter fasting but just for the sake of argument the fifth stage is after one week and it is called a protein conservation stage this stage is predominated by human growth hormone. And research states that at this stage, human growth hormones are five times the normal amount. So like I said, when fasting for this long, make sure you consult and are supervised by your doctor to ensure you don't become malnourished. Especially if you're taking medications, uh, you need to be powerful. And our final topic is longevity through autophagy. Autophagy literally means to self-eat. It is a mechanism used to recycle cellular waste within our body. We use lysosomes, which are responsible to secrete digestive enzymes to help cellular waste. In 2016, Dr. Yoshinori Osumi was granted a Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology for research on autophagy. He researched this concept for 25 years. He looked at yeast cells and how they broke down waste. Then he presented these findings in the human body by correlating the same effects after observation period. The effects of autophagy include healthy aging, preventing disease, fighting pathogens, removing and recycling damaged proteins, and providing ourselves with energy. Autophagy is a self-degradative process that is important for balancing sources of energy at critical times in the development and with stress. Autophagy is strongly induced by starvation, and it is the key component of the adaptive response of cells and organisms to nutrient deprivation. This promotes survival until nutrients become available again. Autophagy takes place after longer fasting regimens. Studies have shown that autophagy takes place anywhere between 17 to 24 hours into your fast, and it peaks approximately at 48 hours and its benefits are seen up to 72 hours. So, to better understand this concept, consider a hoarder who reads newspapers every day. And instead of throwing them away, he keeps them in his house. Over time, the house becomes hard to maneuver through because of all the excess papers laying around. Instead of keeping the newspapers, what if the same person recycled them into plates and cups for later usage? This is similar to how autophagy works it uses old, dysfunctional material and repurposes them to help us function better from within this is cellular rejuvenation so there you have it my friends intermittent fasting we discussed a few different things today very important concepts to understand first let's recap what is fasting it was a simple breakdown on the concept of intermittent fasting and why we need to implement this eating pattern into our lifestyle remember fasting is just a period of starvation and the variations in length determines which hormones play a role. Number two, hormonal responses to eating. We looked at what happens when you consume carbohydrates, how does that affect your blood sugar levels, and which hormones play a role in regulating it. Also, we looked at the starvation period when our blood sugar levels are low and insulin is no longer secreted, which counter-regulatory hormones help keep your sugars elevated. Moving on, we talked about the five stages of fasting. We looked into the research of Dr. George Cahill, where he introduced the five stages of fasting as he researched ketosis and how it became a better, new form of energy consumption that crossed our blood-brain barrier and providing nutrition for our brains during the starvation period. And finally, you know, we talked about the beauty, the beautiful autophagy that takes place after a prolonged starvation period remember 17 hours to 24 hours is the initiation of autophagy it peaks at 48 hours and can last up to 72 hours and there's there's so many benefits to this i mean um, this is fairly new research in 2016 uh, dr osumi received a Nobel prize he's been doing this for 25 plus years so i think you know as time progresses we'll keep unlocking the benefits of extended fasting but remember do it under doctor supervision. You need to make sure that fasting is an acute stressor and not the norm. And then, you know, there's so much more to intermittent fasting. It's not just about starving yourself. You need to be regulated. You need to be balanced in your life. So look at your stressors. You know, if you're living in chronic stress, you're really anxious because of your working regimen or your home life balance or whatever the concept is, You need to make sure you take that into account and decrease those stress levels. So that could be, you know, sleeping better, making sure you're getting adequate amount of sleep or, for example, finding different coping mechanisms to stress in, you know, like make sure you're praying, make sure you're uh, taking time out to be social with people, make sure you're having hobbies, you know, write in a journal, color in a book, Um, you know, listen to my podcast, whatever it takes to help you Relax. Do it because your body does not need to be in a stress. It needs to be, you know, low in its cortisol and not very high continuously because that leads to a cushionoid presentation. We'll talk more about that later on in this podcast journey. And finally, you know, exercise. It's not just about weightlifting and hitting your max rep or how many miles you could run. Exercise. It helps clear your mind. It helps with mental health. It helps with, you know, just achieving adequate longevity. It's a mood elevator. So that's it for today. This is our second episode on the Hippocratic Oath. A deep dive into intermittent fasting. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your family and friends. If anyone is looking for weight loss or helping to reverse their disease, or just want some more detailed explanation on intermittent fasting, please guide them to our um, podcast. Please show them, um, you know, the benefits of fasting and what we can do for them. And if they have any questions, do not hesitate to contact us. You can reach us at floridaadvancedmedicine.com or, you know, via Instagram or Twitter or, you know, just look for me. I'm Dr. Abbas Rizvi. looking forward to be at your service speak to you soon. Thank you so much. You are appreciated. Leave a comment below if you have any suggestions regarding topics to cover or any criticisms regarding my um, podcast. You know, I'm new to this. I just want to do a service to the people. Have a great day. Thank you.